We are on Yevamos Kuf Chof Aleph Omebez 121b as we begin a new Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah continues in the discussion of types of testimony that we accept uh, to uh, establish that the husband has passed away so that the wife could then remarry. And the Mishnah says, We've had this in the past, but now it's most explicit in this Mishnah that even if you hear it uh, from women, and it says explicitly from women in the context not of testimony in court, but they just happen to be talking, they're schmoozing, uh, they're conversing with each other, and you over, it's just while they're engaged in conversation, you hear that uh, they say that somebody passed away, so then it's, they're believed. That's enough, that's sufficient. Even if you hear it from children that are saying that we're going to the funeral, we're going to the Leviah, we're going to hear the, the Hespedim, the eulogies, uh, so then, so then that, that works as testimony. Whether or not uh, they have intention to testify or not, all that, all that works as, uh, as sufficient uh, testimony. Again, just to repeat, that the who is speaking, we are we could be lenient about. Uh, again, the Rambam Maimonides says this explicitly. He says that uh, on a biblical level, uh, he seems to be saying this that on a biblical level, uh, we accept these forms of testimony because uh, if they're making it up, so then it's easy to find out the truth. The husband will will return, so it must be that they're telling us the truth uh, about this. So. What type, who's saying the testimony, we are very lenient with regards to that. And also, uh, the wife is going to look into the matter. Otherwise, uh, if the husband's really alive, so then there are various, uh, very significant repercussions if she remarries and the husband is alive. But what we've been discussing in the, for the past couple of, uh, for the past week or so, it, it was not who's testifying, but what type of testimony is sufficient so that we can establish with a certain level of certainty that the husband died. For that, we are uh, more stringent on. We want to know with uh, with a high level of certainty that the husband really died. But when it comes with when it comes to who's testifying, with regards to that, we are more, much more lenient. Um, and so here, women are who are just talking amongst themselves, or you hear children talking about the fact that they're going to a certain funeral. They're believed. Rabbi Yudim Bava Omer, Rabbi Yudim Bava says, "Be'israel af bishu miskavin uboovid kachavim mahayim miskavin ain't When it comes to a Jew. Uh, so a Jew, even if they have intention to testify in court, then they're testifying in court. That's their, uh, that's their intent. So then they're believed. That, that's fine. Uh, when it comes to a non-Jew, a non-Jew is not, in general is not uh, able to testify in a Jewish court. Um, and so Rabbi Hidam and Baba says that you specifically, in order to accept their testimony, they cannot have proper intent. If they have proper intent to testify in court, we are concerned that maybe they're going to say something which is not true. Uh, but if it's something else, the Gemara will explain what exactly is that something else. There, there'll be two options what that something else is. Either that they intend to testify in court, but not about allowing the wife to remarry. It's with regards to other laws of uh, that, that result uh, that come out of the fact that the husband died, but not to remarry, so then we'll accept him. Uh, but the the other opinion is that no, even in that, that wouldn't be sufficient because that's still in court. The only time that we accept a non-Jew when it, within, with regards to this area uh, and this is a leniency with regards to this area, is when they are just conversing amongst themselves, as we know that they said something amongst themselves, uh, so then, then we will believe them because they're not coming to testify as a witness, 
It's just something that, that we overhear them talking about. So then we will, in fact, accept them. So says the Gemara, says the Gemara, Vidilma lo azli, how can we, it's going back in the Mishnah, how can we accept the testimony of the children who say that uh, we are going to the funeral? Maybe the body doesn't end up there. It's, it's saying that we're going to the funeral, but maybe nothing happens at the funeral. It's in the future tense. How do we know with certainty? So Amr Vidilma Shmuel, Shmuel says, Dika Amri, this is what they're saying. They're saying that we, we came back from the funeral. It's not that we're going to the funeral, but they say we come back from the we came back from the funeral. So maybe it's just really talking about their pet animal. <laughs> maybe it's just they have they have the same name as the person that you're thinking of that has the same name as a person. But how do we know with certainty? We need to know with certainty what what the testimony is. We need to know with certainty. Maybe they're just talking about the fact that they went to the funeral of their of their pet animal, who who they and they gave the same name as as uh, as a person. So the says no. No, they they start explaining what what happened there at the at the funeral and such and such rabbi gave a eulogy and other people also. They used to have people who they would hire to give eulogies. They also spoke. So obviously, he's talking about a real a real funeral, and then we'll accept their testimony. Okay. Now the Gemara focuses on the testimony of a non-Jew. So the Gemara says as follows: Amr Shmuel. Shmuel says, "What does it mean that we accept the testimony?" If their intent is to allow the wife to remarry, we don't accept that. We don't accept a non-Jew to testify. Just like in general, we don't accept. But if their intent is to testify about other things, uh, other things that have nothing to do with the the wife remarrying, other things that are ramifications of the husband dying, so then we do accept it even with regards to uh, the wife remarrying because that wasn't their intent. So what's the case? Hechi dami. Hechi adinan. Amar Yosef. This is what the case would be. Paul lebeizen v'amar ishplani meis hisiu es ishtozel niskavin lahater. Meis tamzel niskavin leidus. If they come to court saying that we know, or I know that the husband died, let his wife get married. So then we don't accept that. But if he just says that the, the husband died without explaining uh, why he's testifying about this? So then we do allow the wife to remarry. That's all according to this first opinion of Shmuel. It's more Nami. We also have similarly. Amar Yishlakish. Yishlakish says, Same idea. Yishlakish says the same idea. Amar Le Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says back to Yishlakish. Lo kachayim ma'isa be'ushia be'rabbi she'etirim im shmonach v'chamishin zekenim. I don't understand when there was the following story which took place in Ushia where Rabbi was with 85 elders and he said to them that exactly what you just said that the non-Jew um, is, a, is allowed to testify just in general terms but if it's specifically to allow the wife to remarry he's not believed that's what he said and the rabbis said back, They disagreed with him. So the, the vast majority disagreed with him. So how could you tell me that this is what the Mishnah means, that he's allowed to testify as long as his intent is not to allow the wife to remarry? What are you talking about? That was exactly the story which took place in Oshia. And the majority of the rabbis disagreed. So what's the case of the Mishnah? What would be the case? So suggestion number one was they could testify in court, even though non-Jews in general are not allowed to testify in court in a Jewish court. 
But over here, they could as long as it's not with intent to allow the wife to remarry. And then you're believed even with regards to allowing the wife to remarry. Uh, but we, that's option number one. We reject, we, we said that the vast majority disagree with option number one. So then they, when do we accept their testimony? When it's referred to as Messiah Lefi Tumo, they're just, they're not testifying. They're just in conversation. In passing, they say, they say this. Um, and so then they say that the husband died. So then we will accept it because they're not coming to testify. In, in such a case, we're concerned that they're going to lie. But in this case, they're just engaged in conversations. So then, uh, that, that we will, in fact, accept. Not that we accept it always with regards to all areas of law. This is important to note. This is a big discussion. When do we accept the fact that if a non-Jew is saying something just in conversation, is it accepted in uh, with regards to other areas of law, or when is it is it not accepted? Is this accepted on a biblical level or a rabbinic level? All this is these are big big discussions. What's a, what's a case? Kaudav Kamar Vazil. There was a there was a non-Jew who's going around. Man man Where's the house of Chivai? Where's the house of Chivai? He was just screaming it. Shachem Chivai. He was saying, uh, it's terrible. Chivai died. Where, where's the family? Where's the family? So that's not in court. Uh, that's just him screaming it in, in, around the street so that the family finds out. So what happened? Vince of Rav Yosef did be Sayu. Rav Yosef allowed his wife, of, uh, of Chivai, the wife of Chivai, to get married. Similarly, he, he, there was a non-Jew who ran, went around saying, Woe to uh, this strong person, uh, this strong warrior who uh, who died. Uh, and in such a case, and, and he was in Pondadisa, and uh, Rav Yosef also allowed the wife to remarry. Uh, some say it was Rava who allowed the wife to, uh, to, to get married. Next case of... A non-Jew saying something in the street in conversation. He went around saying, "Where is the house of Chasa? Chasa drowned. He drowned in the ocean." Which gets back to our previous discussion. Well, oh, the Gemara is going to say, "Slow down." What exactly is going on here? I thought that's not sufficient testimony. But before we get there, Amar of Nachman. Rav Nachman says, "Halokim." He says, uh, he says, Halokim, Achlu Kivari Lachasa Midibur Derev Nachman. He says, By God, uh, the fish have eaten Chasa. So the fish ate Chasa, and therefore, Azla de Besayo, the Chasa of Insaba, the Amrullah, the Lomidia. What happens? The wife of Chasa goes, uh, she went and she got married, and nobody, nobody, nobody told her she has to get divorced. So she, seemingly, she got married on her own. Um, so what what happened here? Amr Vashi Shmami no Hadam Rabbanon Maim Shainlam Sof Ishra Sura Hadimil Khatkhila Avlinasiv Lomafkinan Lamine. So as she says, we see from here this is a case of going into the ocean, of drowning in the ocean. You're not allowed to go ahead and get married for that because that's not sufficient testimony, and that's correct. But we also we've we've learned this before also that if she happens if she gets married, she goes against the rules and she gets married on her own, so we don't make her get divorced because the vast majority of the time, the person does die. If we don't see, you know, we never hear from them again, and they drown in the water, we, even though we can't see the shore on the other side, we tell them they can't get married, but if they got married, so then we don't make them get divorced. And that's exactly what happened in this case. Uh, this uh, this non-Jew went and said that the person drowned. It's not sufficient to allow the wife to get remarried, but she did get married anyways. So once she got married, we don't make them get divorced. Alternatively, the Gemara says maybe if the following is the, is the explanation. Ikadamri, into the Rav Nachman There are those that say that no, 
Rav Nachman actually allowed his wife to get married. How is this possible? Amar, Chasr Gavir Rabbi, you say. Imisa Dishala, Kol Yisleil Milsa, Veloi, Loshna Gavir Rabbi, Loshna Lav Gavir Rabbi, Diyavit In Lachatzchila Lo. There are those that say that he allowed her to get married. How could he allow her to get married? Remarried? Because he was of the opinion, just like we had an opinion on the previous page, on Kofchal Falafal Medalif, on 121a, that when it comes to a rabbi, well, then there's multiple reasons. If it's a great rabbi, not only did the person drown, uh, but also we never heard back from him. And if everybody knows who he is, so then we would have found out about it. He can't just hide. So, so to hear, Chasa was not a great rabbi, but he was a, he was a public figure. He was well known. So the same logic should apply. Since he's well known, if he went out on the other side of the shore, they got out from the other side of the shore, somebody would have found out about him. He's a, he's a well known person. That's what Rav Nachman thought to say, and that's why he allowed the wife to get remarried. But the truth is, just like when it comes to the Torah scholar, and just like, so too over here, when it comes to this uh, public figure, at the end of the day, we say that no, everybody is really the same. Uh, we do not allow them to get remarried. However, if they already got married, so then we don't make them get divorced. So we would never tell them that they could get married, and they're not allowed to get married. But if they do, if they go against the rules, so then, meaning they, they didn't realize that they're not allowed to get married, so then we let them stay, we let them stay married. Okay. The Gemara continues. There was a, there's another example of also just through communication, through, through, uh, just, uh, talking about something. Do we trust the non-Jew or do we not? So the case is that there was a non-Jew who said to the Jew, Basically told him, violate Shabbos. Go harvest the animal food and give it to my animals on Shabbos. And you're not allowed to do that. You can't cut the food on Shabbos. And he says, If you don't listen to me, Basically, if you don't do this to me, I'm going to kill you. Just like I killed such and such a person who was Jewish when I told him, cook for me on Shabbos, and he didn't cook for me, I killed him. So the wife of the, of the person that he used as an example found out about this. She went in front of Abaye. He uh, basically waited until there's a gathering. Abaye didn't decide. He waited until there was a gathering of Torah scholars um, that uh, either because they, they gathered together before the holidays uh, to figure out, to answer questions, um, or alternatively, this is the perhaps one of the sources for a yurt site of a Torah scholar. They would gather on the yurt site on the day, on the anniversary of the death of a Torah scholar, and it would be a day of where they would gather together. Rashi explains specifically by the kever, by the grave, to remember and to honor um, the Torah scholar. Basically, the point is that he waited till the day where a lot of Torah scholars were together to figure out, do we trust just in conversation what the non-Jew said, that this actual person actually died? So, Amallah Rav Ada Barahava. Rav Ada Barahava said to her, Zila Kamei Rav Yosef. Go to Rav Yosef. Go to the to the great Torah scholar Rav Yosef. Why? Dekharv Sakina. Because he was very sharp. He had sharp insights. His knife was sharp, literally. So he had sharp insights. Azila Kamei. She goes to him. And he answers from the following from the following source. Pasha The following source says as follows. Totally different context. If there's a non-Jew who is selling fruit in the market, the Amar he says, He's trying to sell his fruit, and he's he's explaining these are young, these are, these come from young trees. 
that are very young. And we know that there's a mitzvah called Orla, uh, that you cannot have the fruit from the first three years of the tree. And also not to revive for the fourth year. You have to bring it to Yerushalayim. And uh, also maybe, just based on how Rashi understands it, uh, there's another case where he says it's from a certain city in Israel, which produces good fruit, but once it's in Israel, so then there's various laws of the produce that, that are associated with it. Basically, he says it's a very young tree. He thinks he's trying to sell the fruit. He's, he's trying to really uh, make it look like it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very attractive and you should buy this fruit because it comes from young trees and the fruit are, are, are much better and riper and, um, and he's trying to sell to them. However, if you're Jewish, so then you can't have it if it's from the first three years. And if it's from Israel, from this good place where they have got lots of great fruit from Israel, well, you have to be concerned for all these other things with regards to the produce, giving it to the Kohen and to the Levi, you give a portion to them. So, do we trust him? And therefore, we have to be stringent with regards to these fruits. Lord Marklom, we don't even trust him. We don't even go so far as to be concerned that maybe it's really a fruit from Orla, from, from the first three years of the tree. The reason why he's saying this is just, he's lying. He's doing this to enhance uh, the, the goods, the reputation of the goods, of the fruit. And so he's just saying it. We're not concerned for what he's saying. Basically, he's just using it uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to explain how his fruit is so good. We're not concerned at all. Based on this, because of this, we're going to say also, when it comes to the person who is threatening the life of the Jew by saying, do this for me on Shabbos. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you just like I killed that other person. We are not concerned. It's not a good proof. Maybe he's just making it up. He's making it up and he's saying, oh, I killed that other person. We don't know if it's actually true that he killed that other person. It's just part of his threat. So we don't trust him. So that would be an example where even though he's saying it uh, in conversation, but he's saying it in conversation specifically to threaten the Jew. And so therefore, we don't, we don't uh, give him credibility for it. Abiyudin, next case. Abiyudin ish tzaydan. Abiyudin ish tzaydan of tzaydan. He said, There was a story of a Jew and a non-Jew that they were traveling on the road. The non-Jew says, uh, he just, he's talking and he says, He says, Oh, how unfortunate. Whoa, alas. For this Jew who died on the path and I had to bury him. I buried him. So that is sufficient. That is also just not in court. That's uh, in conversation. Next case. There was now a group of people. They were, tra- they were dra- uh, traveling to Antochia. There was a, a non-Jew who said, um, The case happens to be what they, they also had, they were shackled with a, a collar on them. They were pr- taken prisoner. Says woe unto them that they that they that this group of people they died and I buried them. In that case also, the Yisus and Shosheim it was sufficient because that's also in conversation. Third case, third and final case. Show of There were sixty people. They were walking towards the siege of Beitar, Beitar which was destroyed. Terrible tragedy. <coughs> Excuse me, and that they were walking there. Um, and a non-Jew comes and he says, He says that, Oh, woe unto these 60 people. They were walking on the path and I, and I saw them there and they died and I buried all of them and we allowed their wives to get married. We allowed all their wives to get married. Because all of this is, They're all saying this in conversation. This is not part of testimony, but they're just saying this in conversation. Just one last point. 
is that one of the commentators, Darach Lanier, explains what's, what's each story adding. The first story is about one individual. So for a non-Jew to say about one individual that that person died on the path, and they were there and they buried them, that we'll believe. But maybe we won't believe it. To say a whole group of people, maybe we won't believe that. Comes the next story and says, no, even for a group of people, he'll be believed. The last case is, oh, fine, that's for a group of people. But to go to Betar, it's like a war. It's a war zone. There's a siege. Maybe it's a war zone, and like what we had earlier, a few weeks earlier, there's a concept of Bidadami, that maybe if it's the time of war, he won't be able to actually ascertain whether or not they died, because he's running for his own life. It's a time of war. You can't just sit around and, and uh, clarify who died and who didn't die. So maybe we wouldn't accept his testimony, that, not testimony, but his uh, believe him then when he's in conversation. Even in that case, we'll accept it also, because it's not testimony. He's just talking about it in conversation. Even in that case, we will also, we will also believe him. Okay, that concludes the Gemara. We are now up to the Mishnah on the last page of Yavamos, Kufchav Beis Amalaf 122a. We are we have a few more Mishnahs left till we complete the entire Mesechta, the Tractate of Yavamos.